0: Time for another Basketball Insiders podcast
1: with your host,
0: Steve Kyler.
1: Welcome to another installment of Basketball Insiders, the podcast. I am Steve Kyler, editor and publisher of Basketball Insiders. Joining me as special co-host of this installment, special guest, he's Xavier Silas. You may know Xavier. He's played in the NBA, played in the Big Three, coached in the G League, but just an all-around good guy. Zay, how are you, man?
2: I'm good, man. Just dealing with this quarantine with, with two little ones is, is, is a lot, but it's it's good. We're having fun, and it's good to be around family and, and having to do that, so I'm, I'm having a good time.
1: Yeah, it's probably been, what, seven years, eight years since you've been able to not do something at this time of the year. Um, yeah, I've talked to a lot of NBA guys. They don't know what to do with themselves with all this downtime.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that – that's apparent across the board but what I I've been trying to do is fill my time with various projects so I'm not just sitting around not getting anything done.
1: Well, let's kind of start, you know, as I said, you know, one of the things I'm trying to do with the podcast is try to bring on people that have kind of amazing stories and kind of help everybody fill some of this time and you know, when I came across your name in my phone, I'm like, "Oh, yeah, Xavier Silas." Um so let's let's take a let's take the way back machine a minute and let's go back in time and kind of walk through the journey a little bit those early playing days, you went to Brewster Academy, which is a basketball powerhouse. What was that time like in your life when you're playing for a program like Brewster?
2: You know, it was different. You know, it was the first time that I had left home to to do anything. Um, And so I was I was 16 uh, going up to Wolfboro, New Hampshire from Austin, Texas, so culture change, weather change—I mean, everything was 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 a change. But you know, Coach Smith, even you know back then, he was such a great recruiter and 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 such a great coach that you know it, it, he put a lot of people around and in the program uh, that that had the right type of character. He always does, you know, and and it makes the whole experience easier when you have good guys kind of uh, uh, with you going through the same process. So it was good. It was really competitive. I tell the story a lot. Um, you know, I went up there. I had like three offers. And at the end of the season, I had over 40. And so, you know, that whole experience for me with the prep school piece was was huge. And, and being able to make some lifelong friends up there was was a big deal, too.
1: And then you mentioned all those offers. You choose to go to Colorado, uh, which where you live now. Um, but Colorado, that was a fun time for you. But ultimately, that experience, you ended up transferring to Northern Illinois. But what was that time like in Colorado?
2: I mean, Colorado was was great. If you've ever been to Boulder, it's beautiful. I mean, it's an amazing place. sits right in the mountains. Um, you know, it's 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 a huge school. Back then, we were in the Big Twelve, and so a, lot, a big part of my uh, decision was was playing in the Big 12 and being able to go to Austin and Waco and and, and all those Texas schools where I was from being able to play but also uh, having that opportunity to play early which I did I was able to start as a as a freshman and an and average 13 points in the Big 12 as a freshman which was which was a goal of mine and 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 so then um, you know being able to 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 be in Colorado being this beautiful weather it's it was it was great you know it was a great uh experience and opportunity
1: then you transferred to northern Illinois and that's kind of when you jumped on the map that's when people started saying hey this Xavier Silas kid might be a pro um you just kind of dominated that program that year what was that year like when you were the guy
2: yeah so you know uh when I transferred and followed my coach from Colorado to Northern Illinois, Ricardo Patton, um, we, we kind of had a conversation where, you know, that, that was, that was the conversation. I need you to come and be that guy. I need you to be my guy. I, I, I I want you to come and kind of lead this program uh, and and do all the things I know you can do and, and showcase that you're a pro. And so, you know, it was a lot of, it was a lot of, of hard work. It was, a, it was a lot of responsibility going up there and doing that. You know, I led the country in scoring, Jimmer, and Jimmer and I went back and forth that year all year long. Um, and so, it, you know, it, it, was, it was a lot of work. You know, when I think about it, when you ask that question, well, what was it like? You know, I was in the gym all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm making – back then I was making a 1,000 shots a day. Uh, and, and, and I wouldn't leave the gym until I did that. And my whole theory was if, if, if I'm doing this and I know no one else is, uh, I'm going to become the best shooter and the best scorer in the nation. And thousand so
1: shots a day. Now I coach, I, I coach an AAU team. I, I have two, we've talked about this. Um, I tell my kids all the time, it's, you, you got to take a thousand shots a day right. just to get to the NBA, to be even remotely good enough to step foot in the gym. Right, making a thousand shots a day. How do you do that in a day? I mean, other than just like not missing.
2: Well, you know, you, you, with me, uh, I would shoot, you know, a little bit better than, than 50%. And so I'm doing 2000 to 2200 shots a day. Um, and you, you know, I'm, I'm working on floaters, A lot of things are around the rim. So it would be like 250 floaters, 250 close mid-range, 250 uh, long mid-ranges and 253s. And so, uh, you know, breaking it down like that, um, seeing the ball go in all those times, uh, you know, I put it was a huge foundation uh, for me becoming like the shooter that I was able to become in in my career uh, because of those Those times that I put in in DeKalb, Illinois, it's not much to do there, Um, you know. So I lock myself in the gym. I don't recommend a thousand shots a day because I have to have surgery on my shoulder and elbow because of the overuse. But um, you know, that's that's kind of what I remember, and that's what my days were looking like back then. It was. I tell you,
1: my shoulder hurts just hearing you explain it. Right, So we meet as you're coming out of uh, Northern Illinois, I think that was 2011, Um, make the decision to go pro and you were at impact basketball, right? That was where we met. Yeah. So you're out there with all those dudes and that class was a bit nuts that was in the gym with you. But I remember this, we walked in the gym and I'm like, who's that guy? and you were just killing dudes, you came into the draft process with a chip on your shoulder. I mean, you're a nice guy, but you came into the gym every day wanting to prove something. Did you feel like that was just how you had to do it? Because you were that guy from Northern Illinois, you weren't that guy that was on a lot of people's mock drafts?
2: Yeah, you know, coming from a small school, even though I had played at a big school and had success, you know those last two years, uh, going and 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 scoring all those points or whatever, it was like it almost didn't matter, right? And so, you know, all that work that I just explained, um, when I'm coming out, I'm still not one of those guys that that, that they were talking about, and, and but I get to work out with them, right? And I get to see them every day, and 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 go at them, and so that was my mentality, and it kind of has been since I left Colorado. Is anytime I see somebody. Um, that that is supposed to be that guy i'm going at him and and showing him why i'm that guy too
1: so you go undrafted in 2011 and and i lived that moment with you so i know how you felt but talk about that now in retrospect was that as crushing a moment or was that just as the process played out you kind of saw it coming in on the next one
2: yeah you know like with the with the sixers they had let me know that 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 they wanted me to be a part of their program throughout the entire um, process, the entire draft process. They didn't have a, a, a lot of draft picks then. Um, and so they called me on draft day and said, look, we, we're we not going to draft you, but we want to bring you in um, and, and we want you to be a part of the program. And so for me, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that I might go to a few other teams that we were talking about and you know, I was on a lot of draft boards and stuff like that, but it was almost, you know, it was actually exactly like a two-way kind of uh, relationship before 2 A's really existed. Um, and so it wasn't super crushing or bad back then, um, just because I kind of knew what was, what was coming.
1: So Sixers have some interest, but ultimately your first pro year was overseas. The decision to go overseas you know, that's never easy for a young guy. And you've heard me say this, that it's always easier to chase the dream. And you got a little bit of change in your pocket. You almost had to take that opportunity, didn't you?
2: Well, not even, you know, if you, if you remember it was the lockout, right. And so the real reason I went, was because of the NBA lockout and and I was waiting on training camp to start with the Sixers and so how it worked was you know I'm I'm in Vegas I'm playing in that lockout league in at Impact where we're all the pros That was were. a good
1: week, wasn't it? Yeah. We had fun yeah. that week. <laughs> so
2: I'm playing in that and then like I wake up and it happened all really fast. I'm staying at my uncle's house uh, out in in Vegas and you know like I check my phone the, the Graveline in in france offered me a really good deal um to come and they gave me a buyout um or or not even a buyout just an nba out uh for when the nba season started i can just leave and come back and so i said all right well i'm just here playing anyway i might as well go and and see what it's like um and so i was able to do that and then as soon as the season uh as soon as the NBA started, I came back and, and I left and I went to, to training camp with the Sixers.
1: Then you spent some time in the G League um, right. and that was before it was the G League, that was still the D League. What were those right. early days like in the D League? Uh, <laughs> you hated every second of it, didn't it,
2: you? <laughs> it was a lot like it, was, it, like it is now, except not as glamorous and so... For us back then, um, we would play a lot of the teams that were closer to us. I think that, for one, there's more teams now, but two, uh, you travel a lot more now, too. So we played Springfield. You know, I'm, I was up in Maine um, because back then the Sixers, the Boston Celtics, and the Charlotte Bobcats were, were, uh, used Maine as their D league team. Right. And so this was back when there wasn't a one for one, uh, there were multiple teams on uh, that used one G league team. Right. And so, uh, the Sixers, you know, I, I went there because they were the Sixer affiliate and they wanted to keep an eye on me. And, and, but to answer your question, I mean, a lot of travel by bus you know, we're, we're going and playing Springfield a thousand times area a thousand times. Uh, there weren't any New York teams. There weren't any Philly teams. And, uh, we played Fort Wayne a lot, Canton a lot. Um, and so, you know, it, it was a grind just like the G league is now. It's a total grind dealing with, uh, everyone who, who wants to make it, wants to get that call. Um, but you know how do you do that, and in and, and figuring out and deciphering different ways to do that, but still, uh, you know, not be selfish, not play selfish, but still uh, shine. And so, it's a big, big uh, mental battle that you have day in and day out with the G League on on or the D League too. Is is how do you be that guy? How do you be someone who uh, NBA teams want and stick out, but still not play uh, selfish and be someone who they don't want? And so it's a a process, but I was able to to get that call up that my rookie year there, and and it all kind of worked out in that regard.
1: Then you got Summer League. That Summer League really looked like, okay, the world was going to open up and you're going to get a full-time contract, and then you get elbowed in the face and have to have uh, surgery. I remember that. I'm like, where the hell did Zay go? And like, you didn't see right. that. And it's right. like, so talk through that when, when you're there, like, I, I remember that pretty vividly. You felt like all I got to do is come out handle my business and I'm there. And then in a moment, it's now all in question.
2: Right. And so, you know, I'm, I get caught up at the end of my rookie year. I go in and do uh, we're, we're in the playoffs. We beat the bulls uh, in the first round. Um, I didn't dress. I I worked really hard uh, in that first series off the court. And and then they they uh, say, all right, you're active. And so now in the second round against the Celtics, I'm active. They actually throw me in a few games. Uh, I, I got a bucket. In the second round of the playoffs, and so I, I was that guy who you know was was up and coming. Uh, they made a lot of roster moves, and so it was a lot of opportunity that year. You know, it was it was really the beginning of the process, right? If you really think about it, because uh, that was the last time that they were kind of good um, and and went to the playoffs before they had all those bad seasons in a row, and so um going into uh that that summer league it was pretty much all i had to do was play solid right you know like i'm starting at the point guard spot for them for the week um for for the week down in orlando playing well playing solid you know my my agents talking about they're talking about like a 2 year deal um and, and so all i have to do is pretty much play solid don't do too much don't you know don't hurt myself You seemed
1: very comfortable that summer.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it was, you know, it was, it was cool. Like, I I was, I pretty much did what I needed to do to prove myself with that organization. Um, And then in the last game of the, of the, uh, Summer League in Orlando, in the second half of the last game, um, I, I, I break my, or I fracture my skull. And so, uh, I, I catch, I catch a headbutt. Um, fracture my skull. You know, they rushed me to, to the emergency room down in Orlando. Um, I go in there, you know, uh, Alan Lump w- was with me. Um, he's, he's a Sixers guy. He's still there. We laugh about it every time we see each other. It's, he, he was sitting in there with me in the ER. Um, and And we get there and they they're asking me all these questions like who's the president of the United States? you know, what month is it? Like weird questions. And I'm trying to figure out why. And and, you know, I didn't know how bad it was because no one ever gave me a mirror. Uh, But it pretty much looked like you take a hard boiled egg and you and you hit it with a spoon and so imagine if, if, if you're it, that, that indentation was in my, uh, it was on my forehead. Right. And so, um,
1: you literally broke your face.
2: I, I, I literally broke my face. And so at the gym, when it happened, you know, I looked over and Doug Collins and in the front office was were they were all sitting kind of on the baseline, we're on the bench. And when I looked at them, they all squirmed and <laughs> and, you know, and said, Oh, you know, and so, I didn't know how bad it was until KJ, <laughs> the, the trainer who's actually still there, uh, gave me a mirror and showed me. So I go in, I'm, I'm at the ER. They're like, hey, you know, we need to do a CAT scan to see if your brain is bleeding. And I said, well, all right. And so, like, that's when I knew it was super serious. We do the CAT scan, it's not bleeding. Um, and then they said, all right, well, you know, the neurosurgeon walks out and said, all right, well, if it's not bleeding, you're good. We're going to call plastic surgery down here. And so then the plastic surgeon comes in and and he says, well, look, um, there's two things we can do. One, uh, because there's so many little little micro fractures in your forehead, um, we recommend surgery. But you could not do anything and kind of have this indentation, and but you'd be uh, susceptible to to sinus problems and all that. And so I said, let's just do the surgery. And so what they did, I was,
1: can't walk around with a dent in right, my
2: head, right? And so and so. What they did was they cut across kind of like the top of my head, right? Pulled my face down, cleaned it up, put a titanium plate in there, screwed it in, lifted my face back up, did two layers of stitches, and then 57 staples across the top of my head, right? And so in that, once that happened, the Sixers just, they were like, he's not going to play for a year, right? Like that's just not. he's not going to be able to play. It was a, it was a head injury. Um, And so they kind of started moving in another direction as soon as that happened um, because I hadn't signed my contract yet. And, um, but at the end of the day, it was just a break. And so when it's just a break and a concussion, you know, you're, you're pretty much back six to eight weeks. Right. And so, you know, that happened in early July I'm like I'm gonna be ready for 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 training camp and so no you know me and my whole work ethic thing I'm I'm working out and
1: You and, are insane. I'll yeah, say it. I'm, you I'm are insane. trying to get ready staples and you're like I'm gonna be back. I'm ready. Right.
2: right. And so uh you know I get back um which I really what I re- what really happened is I couldn't really work out until Training camp, and so I'm really thinking, all right, well, I'm gonna go and show them that I'm ready. But I hadn't really been able to, you know, because the whole thing was I couldn't get my blood pressure up higher than a certain amount, so I, I couldn't get my heart rate or my blood pressure up. Kind of the 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 uh, the cure or how I was gonna get cured was just being a couch potato um, with, with with my injury. And so the first time I'm really jumping out there is in training camp. And of course, I'm not able to compete. I'm not able to do anything. I'm I'm like, this is my very first time touching a basketball, and we're in, we're in our first day of training camp. And so I'm trying to squeeze by, but it doesn't work out. They release me. And then I go back into the G League, um, where that year, my, my, my sophomore season, I'm playing well, doing well. And of course, here comes the shoulder, right? From all that stuff that I uh, that I was doing before, and my elbow. Like I, I can't extend my elbow. I can't lift my shoulder over my head. And so in February, kind of like around All Star break, um, I take a blow to my shoulder down in down in Rio Grande, and I just I just can't move it. And so uh, I go home to Austin. I get surgery. And, and I'm out, right? And, and and on both, on my shoulder, and then a week later, on my elbow. And What's funny is is, is one of my best friends I grew up with, uh, their dad did the surgery, and he said he had never seen anything like it. He opened up my AC joint, which is like that joint on the top of your shoulder. Um, he cut it open, and a piece of cartilage just fell out onto the table. He, he said he'd never seen anything like it. And so he said, you know, I, he'd been telling me to do the surgery for years and I've been playing through it so he was really happy I I went through it so you know that's kind of like my first few years uh, of being a pro it was a lot you know going from not getting drafted to to being in the lockout to having the head injury but but having a lot of success playing in the second round of the playoffs as a rookie you know it was it's a lot of ups and downs in that first year so it it really kind of front-loaded what my career was going to look like in the first 24 months.
1: First 24 months, you were more professional patient than professional player. Right. And then you start to like have to do what everybody has to do. You got to try to figure out how to kind of get paid in this. You went overseas, did the overseas right. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this thing, the big three, Ice Cube mm-hmm. says, we're going to do this big three thing. Yeah, You were the fourth pick in the first year. One, how did you even get involved in the big three? Well
2: you know one of my really good friends Joe Conley, he was involved with the big three in the first year, and so uh you know I had played in the t b t with joe uh before you know in in the basketball tournament with city of gods and uh we went to the final four I lived in d c um for for a while, and so I would work out with joe uh who who was uh he worked with the wizards in my little stint with the wizards. And so we developed a, uh, a relationship and we would work out. And so I was in Greece and he calls me and he says, look, man, you know, you, you should, you should really consider this big three thing. Um, it's coming up. It's new. Um, you know, you have to have NBA experience, which you have. Um, and so I was like, all right, well, I'll jump into it. And so I go out there, there's this combine, and you have people like Steve Francis and, um, you know,
0: all, all the, all the, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, all the legends that, that, that are in the big three now, they were all there. And so we're playing, uh, and and I did well. You know, like, I go out there, I'm, I'm trying to kill these. you dudes.
1: weren't. In the league, fifteen years, your right. body was all right. broken down. You were you were in game shape,
2: right? No, I was ready to go, and so they put me against a whole bunch of people. I mean, the the first see the, the crazy thing is the first um, combine, like all those team captains and all the people that are like established. They were all playing in the combine, and so I was able to play against all of those guys uh, from the beginning, and so being there doing well, you know, they draft me fourth. Uh, Dr. J drafted me fourth uh, with Bonzi Wells and Jermaine O'Neill and, and those guys. And, and, you know, uh, my dad and, and Docker are, are really close. And, and so Rick Barry is as well. And it was funny. I get drafted and then Rick Barry drafts right after us. And he says, you know, I, I can hear him in the back. You know, we were, they were doing like interviews and it was on the loudspeaker. And he said, man, I, they were like, well, "How do you feel about your pick?" He said, "I, you know, I like it, but I really wanted that kid, Silas." <laughs> and so when, when, when uh, later on in the season, um, you know, they, I'm not playing as much with with uh, with Tri-State and Dr. J, Rick Berry and Scal, uh, there and, and Josh Childress, who I played with with the Wizards. Um, they were like, "Man, we want you to come over here and run and run the show and have some fun." And so I, I did that and I was able to, to kind of start getting some player of the weeks and, and really playing well with those guys. And, and that's who I played with last, last summer too.
1: And then you get the opportunity and it was like late in the year to go to the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like right during the playoffs. I remember you texted me going, you know, telling me the situation. I'm like, damn. Um, but to get back into the league after that, like it seemed like, okay, maybe, Xavier is going to be overseas. Maybe big three is going to be the thing, but I know you still wanted to be in the NBA, but when the Celtics called and you got a chance to do that, how one rewarding was that? And what was that moment? Like when you get that phone call that says it was Boston, because a lot of times when guys are getting scooped up towards the end of the year, you know, it's, it's non playoff teams looking for a dude to hide him for summer league, but to get a team that was there.
2: Oh yeah. No, I mean, it was huge, right? I mean, it was, it was something like it was like two thousand and forty-two days between when I hit my head, when I was under, when I hit my head, and when I got called up, right? And so for me, it, it was it was a personal thing that 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 because I, you know, you saw me out there with all the guys. I I belonged in the conversation with a, with a lot of things that were going on, but I just never really got that opportunity after that head injury. And so for me, um, I needed to show, I needed to show people and I needed to show myself. And, and when they called and and it's, yeah, it it meant a lot more because it wasn't one of those teams where, you know, they're, they're tanking and they're just calling a guy up to, 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 to play some minutes. No, it was like, it was a real contender. And when you get called up to a real contender, that means that they they do their due diligence and they think that you can play. Um, and, and, and so that was rewarding being able to go up there and, and, and be with those guys and, and, and build a relationship with Coach Stevens. Uh, I mean, it was huge. It was huge.
1: And then kind of the next chapter starts the idea of becoming a coach. What was it? What was the moment that you said, you know what? Okay. I'm tired of trying to chase the dream that maybe isn't going to happen. That's always hard for a player to do to get to that point where you say, okay, I'm going to move to the next part. What was it? What was that moment like? And what was the decision?
2: That moment never really came, you know, growing up, I was always afraid of that moment. You know, it's, it's the scary moment. It's the moment that everybody, um, that warns you about, well, oh, you can't play basketball forever. You know what I mean? That's that's what they tell you, you know, growing up. And so uh for me, um the moment where I really kind of knew that I wanted to coach and 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 that I could be a coach is is like a year before that summer before when I was with um power in the big three. And how the big three works is You have five guys that are that are eligible to play, and then the sixth guy can be on the team, but they can't dress. Right? It's kind of like a reserve. And so, Power had brought me in as as a reserve. You know, those those old guys, Corey Maggette and Katino Mobley. um, They they, uh, they they played through injury that entire season. They had injuries, and they wanted me to be there just in case they couldn't go. Right? And so what what it turned into was a was a coaching role uh with with Nancy you know Nancy was like look I need your help um I, I want you to be a coach I want you to have a voice I I want you to to kind of kind of do it and so I'm like all right well I'm super young you know um Corey McGetty, Katino Mobley Big Baby Birdman like that's our team right and and Q Rich and Quinn Richardson so that's our team and so she's like looking me in my eyes and like you need to you need to be a coach you need to be somebody that has a voice and so I started doing it you know I I started telling them what to do and 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 seeing different things and helping them on the bench and so it got to a point to where Nancy was like you know Xavier and I are the are the voices in the huddles and so I would have I would have uh, the opportunity to to bring the huddle in to to talk through the huddles and timeouts. And what what really kind of put me in that space was, you know, Katino and, and Corey started consulting with me and asking me, hey, what do you think? What do you what do we need to do? Well, what play do we need to run? Well, what do you see? And they really gave me the confidence. And, and I'm like, all right, well, if these dudes are letting me coach them and valuing what I say and, and, and kind of how I'm approaching it, um, because I was taking it super serious and, you know, doing what I needed to do in the off hours to, to be prepared and watching film and stuff, then, then I was like, I can do it. And so I I hadn't really decided to, to not play. Right. Like I, I, um, I played, uh, in the, for the USA, uh, three on three national team that summer. Um, I, I continued, I went to the nuggets training camp. I played in the G league with the Iowa wolves But when the coaching program in the NBA presented itself, um, I I took it serious. And to answer your question, like, I never really, I never really, even up until I took the job and kind of got to Philly as a coach, I hadn't really decided on kind of like, that's what I'm doing. Or I guess I never had that conversation. You know, like, if I didn't get a a coaching job, I was going to play. You know what I mean, and so it wasn't like I was giving up on the dream. But when Philly w- said, "All right, well, you come in, you be a part of our player development um, group, uh, and 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 be an assistant coach in the G League," I kind of ran with it and and jumped into it, and and that's kind of where the career went. But it, it, it was it was a kind of like playing chess. You know, um, well, what what would it look like, right? If if I if I um, play in the G League, get another call up, you know, is that better than building a career and starting off as an assistant coach, which is pretty, pretty hard to do in the G League um, and, and, and building a career there. And so weighing the pros and cons and, and the long game, it just made sense to kind of jump on that coach's train and, and, and start off uh, in my career.
1: And I'm sure at no point did you ever look back at your resume and realize that your resume looks like every NBA head coach's resume in terms of how they played, where they played, what they did before they got into coaching. I'm sure that never went through your mind. (laughs) Right, (laughs) No. So now you're a coach, right? Now you're coaching in the G League. And what's that like? Especially when you, and you know, I'm not going to have you say it. I'll say it for you. A lot of dudes come from the G League are just trying to get out of the G League. And they don't necessarily take the G League experience as seriously as maybe they should. And you come into practice every day knowing you could whip these kids' ass.
2: <laughs> um, You know, we played a lot of one-on-one um, and we played and, and I was able to play in training camp and stuff. And what was crazy is two of the guys on the team. I had, that had been my teammates, um, had been my teammates before. And so they kind of knew that, that I could play. And then probably another four or five of them I had played against just a year before. And so, um, getting into that, you know, it was, It was a good experience kind of for me growing and 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 making sure that that I am a coach and not a player anymore. And and kind of finding that balance in the relationship with players and the relationship with the coaching staff, uh, because it, you know, as, as you know, um, it could the, the lines can get blurred, you know what I mean. And, and as far as yeah, I'm, I'm fresh this time last year. I'm still playing, and so you know, just just really growing in that in that in that regard was was a huge thing for me this year. It was and it was fun too.
1: So you've had an AAU program for a while. You've got quite a few teams on that, but now you're starting kind of a prep school program. Yeah it's kind of bigger than that, right? Like yeah. you're, you're finishing the dots, right? right? You started with some of it. Now you've finished the next part of the dots. What was it about starting a prep program and and talk a little bit about what your motivations were there?
2: I, I think that, you know, with club, um, you, you understand that it's a lot of people and a lot of club teams and they're all competing to, to get the best players to play on these third, on these, uh, on these, in these three weekends, there's three live period weekends where you can play, right? Um, when, it, when we're talking about high school, we're talking about prep school, uh, th- there's a live period the entire high school season, right? And so when we're talking about club or high school, it's all about exposure and getting in front of kids, or I'm sorry, getting in front of coaches and getting the kids that exposure that they deserve or need to be seen and evaluated. And that was, like you said, the next step. That's the last kind of dot to connect is if, you, if you're going to do this and you're going to be in it to get kids experiences and opportunities, then you have to put them in front of coaches as much as possible. And, 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 uh, and, and doing that with the prep school is a big piece, you know.
1: So you're teaching the game now. What are some of the lessons you try to instill in young players, whether it's your AAU guys or now this new batch of guys that you're going to be working with with your prep program? What are some of the things that you're trying to teach them about success in basketball? Whether it's, you know, obviously the ultimate success is the NBA. but There are a lot of successes before you get there.
2: I think there's a few things. You know, one thing is is the character piece um, is huge, and it's going to take you – uh, further than anything else, and so doing the right thing, being the right kind of guy, um, and and then you know working hard. Uh, if you have deficiencies, working on them, making sure that you're attacking those weaknesses. I mean, that's really what it's all about on any level. You know what I mean? If you're a if you're a a hole, no one wants to work with you, and if you don't want to work hard, no one wants to work with you. And so if you can if you can check those two boxes um and and be positive in that regard then then you you're good you know what i mean and if you're there and we're having a conversation you 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 have some type of talent and so um that's really that's really the main thing that i kind of try to get get across all the other stuff is it, it's not rocket science you know like with the basketball piece there's a whole bunch of drills and all this stuff that you can do but when it comes down to it it's what's inside and and the type of person you are that's going to get you over that hump.
1: I'm going to ask a tough question, and you answered how you want to answer it. Is it hard not to have been the kind of NBA player you wanted to be? Because I remember the fire in your eyes in 2011. I remember you walking into summer league with the swag of I've got here. I remember how much work you put in toiling in the G league playing overseas to get that opportunity. You're in the Northern Arizona Suns with our guy, Cody Toppert, you get that phone call for the Celtics and then it didn't stick that it just didn't happen like that. Is is it hard to have not been that guy? You know, I I don't think
2: so. uh, Just because of the work that was put in, you know um, for me, it would be hard if I had regrets. Like it'd be hard if I didn't work as hard as I possibly could, you know. If if it was something that I left on the table or, or whatever, um, it it would be super hard, you know what I mean? Um, just like just like with anything, you know, the, the biggest thing that'll eat you alive is regret. And so, one thing, and I learned this from a young age, is is I don't want to have any regrets, and, that, and that's what my dad at all has always taught me. So, if I'm not gonna have this career or whatever. Um, or, or, or have the, the amount of NBA games that, that I thought I should have or I wanted. It's not gonna be because of something that I did, right? And and so or or I didn't do. And so I'm able to 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 look in the mirror and and know um that I did enough. Um and, and the people that are close to me and the people that know my journey like you of course you know what it is and sometimes it really just comes down to the opportunity and, and and having it or not having it. And one thing I'll say is that that's kinda what has sparked me into um, my next chapter and, and what I wanna do because I, I, I want people to really understand that you can do everything and do all the right things and it still may not work out how, how you think it should but life is still good, right? You still are, are a winner in so many other different ways, uh, if you're doing the right things and living the right way and working and working as hard as you possibly can. And so, uh, the next chapter of being a coach, I mean, if I didn't do all that stuff that, that 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 I did and put all that work in, I wouldn't be in the position that I'm in to, to be able to be a, a coach for for the rest of my life. And so, um, you know, that, that's, that's huge. And, and I don't see it as, as like all the work that I put in went in the vein. I just think that, that it was, it was, uh, the opportunity wasn't right. And it wasn't in the cards, but that doesn't mean that, that it wasn't successful. You know what I mean?
1: People ask me this all the time. Cause this was my 22nd year in the NBA. And it's like, I, I marvel at 22 years. Like when I started this, there was no way I thought I'd be around this game for 22 years, right. let alone be anybody anyone cared about, let alone to be in video games and have people know who I am. Um, the journey, I wouldn't trade the journey for anything. I mean, would I right. have liked the journey to have given me Adrian Warjanowski money? Sure, who wouldn't? But right. the journey, like got me to here has been amazing. And all the people I've got to know, you've got to play basketball around the world, fourth pick in the big three. Um, and now you're in a position now to do a lot for young people. And, and I, I mentioned that you're starting a prep program, but, but talk specifically about some of the things that you're doing and how that works.
2: So, you know, we, we started a, uh, we started a a, color Colorado prep. It's, it's out in, in, in superior Colorado at a beautiful facility sports stable. Um, we're, we're going to be a member of the grind session, which is a national prep league. Uh, we're going to be on the West, in the West coast conference there. So it's huge, but kind of going back and tying into the prep school piece, if, and, and, and your, your original question, um, if 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 I don't go through all of that stuff on my journey, I'm I probably can't help a kid as much as I can now. You know, like if it was a one um if if I if I would have gotten drafted and stayed with the Sixers for my entire career and have that, I mean I wouldn't know as much as I know. You know, I wouldn't have gone to Israel and, and, and France and Germany and Argentina and and experienced all types of basketball. Now I'd be hard pressed for you to find someone who's played in more types of basketball than me, you know, and with a journeyman that has done what I've been able to do and been to places that I've been. And with all of those experiences, I can really put a program together that has just the information that a kid needs, that he might, that he might go through, that he might see. And, and, and that's what it's all about is preparing. So when we talk about prep, we're talking about preparation. How can we prepare these young guys to be able to be successful at these next levels? And 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 the the good thing about this whole journey that I've gone on is I've seen and been a part of a lot of different next levels and and what it looks like and what's required of you to be successful because uh, basketball is different everywhere. You know how they play in Greece is not how they play in Argentina is not how they play in Germany. And it's definitely not how they play in the Big Three, and so I've seen it all, done it all, and I'm able to really make this this uh, this prep school something that can be a help. Um, the The biggest thing that I want to do in this prep school, you know, uh, personally, is kind of grow, you know, grow administratively. What it looks like scheduling games, how it feels, um, having those conversations having recruiting conversations with families. And, and that's something that happens in, in club basketball, but not, not to this kind of magnitude of, of, you know, making sure that the academics are, are up to par and, and partnering with, with schools on that on that piece, but recruiting guys and, and, and building a roster and really putting something together that'll be successful. Um, you know, everything from the travel uh, and scheduling games and 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 where it makes sense logistically, and then also you know the fundraising piece, uh, raising money for to, for for the kids to be able to do this, and so all of that stuff um, is you know when when we had our our Sixers meeting, uh, you know one of one of the uh, directors said, hey, you know during this time take up one of those projects that you always wanted to do, you know, um, work on your craft. There's always stuff that we can get better at. And so when they said that, I really sat down and, and kind of put it all together where this is something that's going to make me a, a better coach in the long run. Give me some experiences that you're just not going to get anywhere else, uh, but also do a good thing for all, all the kids too, because there's a huge need in Colorado uh, and, and especially in this part of the country. For, for this type of opportunity to go and, and play on a on a national league and get that type of exposure. I mean, it just doesn't exist in this state. So we're the first ones to do it, um, and and it feels good to get it going, but it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of growth involved too.
1: Sounds like it's also very personally rewarding.
2: Oh, yeah. I think so. You know, as soon as we start getting them in here and, and getting them scholarships, I mean, I, th- I was talking to uh, – my family the other day. And I think probably the the most significant and influential thing for my family that has ever happened is my dad getting a scholarship, right? Because if my dad doesn't get that scholarship to Stephen F. Austin, he's not able to be an Amer- All-American. He's not able to go to the Spurs. He's not able to, to have the life that has kind of given me a platform and a foundation to do what I was able to do. And so a scholarship can change generations. And when we're talking about my little boys and all that, it all started with my dad's scholarship, you know? And so if, if I can get a kid a scholarship, um, that, that's, that's generation, uh, that, that, that can change generations down the road. And so that's kind of my goal and focus, um, for now with this whole prep thing, because I, I think there's a lot of guys that deserve it. They just aren't getting the opportunity here.
1: I want to ask this question for you, then we'll wrap it up right here. Cause I told you about 45 minutes and we're at the 45 yeah. minute mark, but I want this one. Um, what's your dad more proud of the fact that you've become a high level basketball player or that you're starting this amazing prep program.
2: You know, I don't know, but I can get him. He's, 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 he's right inside. I'll have you ask that question again, because he's with me during this whole COVID thing. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't let him go home. He came to visit me during the coach's thing or, or to watch me coach up in Delaware. But he, here he is right here. So ask that question one more time.
1: Mr. Silas, how are you? Uh, been Hi, a how are you? So I asked Xavier this question. What are you as a dad more proud of, the fact that he's become a high-level basketball player or that he's doing this amazing prep program?
0: Um, a little bit of both. Uh, when he first started playing – in college, it was something that uh was a green, a dream come true for me because I saw him in high school and it was just everything for me to see him develop and grow as a as an athlete and, and go on to the next level, especially on the D1 levels. Now, it's hard to sit down and watch him play because I got a different feeling. You know, I, I be it, it's not like me out playing, it's like it's a lot <laughs> <laughs> it is tough and it's a lot i mean it takes a lot out of you to go to sit in the stands and watch him play but i'm i'm very, very proud of him on his basketball playing career now coaching i really i really think he's real great
1: uh i told I- him that his resume when you look at his playing career that yeah. checks the box of pretty much everybody coaching in the NBA. So he, he, he's got the resume of a high-level coach.
0: Absolutely. Already. And uh, I'm glad that uh, <clears throat> Philadelphia gave him this opportunity because he basically shines in a lot of things we've, we've, we brought him up and put him into. So given the opportunity, um, I'm not afraid of what he, how far he can grow, how, how, how good he can be. Just, you know, like in anything, you just need that opportunity. And now that he's gotten that opportunity, I, I, I can sit back and watch him from the stands, and he's real into it. So he's going to do very well with this uh, program he's putting together, this school, he, his dream, one of his dreams. So just the people around him and the decisions he made to, to put the right people around, I think he's going to be real great at. it.
1: Well, I appreciate that answer. <laughs> Well, Xavier, I appreciate you taking some time and being part of the podcast. Like I said, I I wanted to get people with great stories. And the fact that you could get pops into the podcast just like that, that was pretty easy.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's been with me, like I said, this whole time. It kind of all happened uh, while he was doing a visit. And and so I was like, well, you know, I'm not going to throw my mom and dad on a on a plane. So we just kind of stayed together and it's been a good time for us to spend some quality time and then they get to be with the grandkids.
1: So I was going to say, you got built in help for them babies. Yeah. There you go.
2: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> well, Xavier, again, thanks so much for everybody listening. He's Xavier Silas. Uh, check him out on all of his social media and check out Colorado Prep. Uh, it's a pretty amazing story and a great program. Uh, we're going to keep the podcast train rolling. Got a lot of guests lined up for some future podcasts. So keep it locked right here. It's Basketball Insiders and Basketball Insiders, the podcast. Like the
0: podcast? Make sure to leave a comment or drop in a review after every episode. This has been an Insider Sports production.